Hey Budai Nation, welcome to the Ecom Show, where we invite e-commerce entrepreneurs, marketers and agencies to talk about e-commerce, the best strategies and tactics and what to implement in your own e-com store. Before we jump into this episode, I ask you to subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you share it with at least one friend. As you probably know, we don't run ads. Our growth is purely organic, so it would mean the world to me if you could support us. And now let's jump into the episode. Hello everyone, here is Daniel Budai with a brand new episode of the e-commerce show. And today I'm here with Tom Hollings and uh, he's one of the co-founders of uh, Different Drop. And this is a uh, wine company. They, uh, they have sold over 1 million bottles of wine uh, to more than 40,000 uh, customers, mostly in Australia and uh, they feature more than uh, 1400 different wineries from australia more than 200 different regions so a lot of great uh, wines and uh, i'm really happy to have you here how are you tom g'day daniel yeah great mate thanks very much for having me uh, excited to have a chat so tell us more about the first few days uh, the you know the origins of this brand you told me earlier that uh, it was founded by uh, you and your friend, uh, this company, and uh, your main purpose was, and it's still your main purpose, to feature great Australian wines and, and distribute those to the Australian market. Um, so how, how this idea uh, came up at all? Um, yeah. yeah, sure. So... Um... I got my first job in wine as a teenager, just in a wine store, and, and I had no interest in wine or family background then, but um, became interested in all the different styles and varieties and regions. Uh, I then got a job uh, accidentally uh, telemarketing um, in a call centre, selling wine over the phone for, for small Australian wineries and quickly fell in love with, with the industry, got to meet some mm. incredible uh, winemakers, got to go visit the regions, try lots of different styles, uh, and for someone in their early 20s to, to be exposed to all these legends of, of wine and, and learn so much, uh, I, I was hooked. So um, I moved through that company and my job was to work with the winemakers and, and help organise these marketing campaigns. Um, and I was finishing my marketing degree at the time. Uh, and then that company got bought by another company and, and uh, they didn't want to work with the small producers anymore. They were just wanting to target the big commercial guys. And, and I didn't want to do that. I was really passionate about the small independent producers, um, you know, the mum and pop sort of operations and, mm. and the people who I thought were making really exciting, unique wines. Um, and at, at the time, my best mate from, from high school, Brett Cattelby, um was also wanting to maybe branch out and do his own thing. And he had a background in technology and, and e-commerce uh, and so we got talking and decided to to quit our jobs. So um, I'd just gotten married and then a month later, um, quit my job, moved in with my wife's parents um, and we were in Brett's garage and started Different Drop as an online uh, pure play retail business. At the time, most of the online wine websites in Australia were all about discounts and distressed stock and and it, it, it wasn't particularly classy. It was all, um, you know, wines that couldn't be sold through traditional channels. We had an idea to, to take it in a different direction. There'd be more about storytelling, rare wines, unique wines, 
and really lean into having a proper e-commerce operation where customers could mix and match their, their wines, could get them delivered quickly, lots of content on the website. So the idea really hasn't changed at all. So that was 10 years ago that we that we started. It's our 10-year birthday in a few months. Um, mm. And uh, the, the concept has stayed the same. We've just obviously grown since then and, and branched out into doing some international wines as well. But but the mission is to, to help small Australian producers predominantly and, and to make it easier for people to discover, you know, amazing, um, unique wines. Mm-hmm. Are you available outside of Australia as well or, or, or primarily you focus on Australia? Just in Australia at the moment. Unfortunately, shipping wine internationally is, is extremely difficult and expensive um, with taxes, regulations, and, and just the weight of, of the boxes as well. Uh, so it's quite prohibitive. I'd love to set up an operation overseas at some point, but we've just been concentrating on the Australian market, which is a very good market for, for wine, for premium wine here we do those sell wines from all over the world so we bring wines in we work with some great small importers as well uh, and we've got thousands of products from from every corner of the globe with the same um philosophy around um, small small producers and uh, unique wines yeah so i guess it's quite challenging to to stand out uh because you don't sell so you are not a d2c uh store or, or business right you you are a retailer of wines but you still want to differentiate yourself and you don't want to use heavy discounts like many other companies so it's really a marketing challenge i'm quite sure um can you tell us maybe a few tricks tips how how do you do it you mentioned content sharing stories uh how how can you stand out uh Yeah. Well, I think when we when we started the business, um, it was quite unusual to be able to mix uh, your own box of wines with different products. It was all it was usually just a straight box dozen of wines from a winery, mm-hmm. and we were one of the first to say, "No, we've got all the stock, and you can take one of this, two of this, one of that." So that was a point of difference, uh, and, and we invested heavily in in the UX of our website. You know, we were on Shopify Plus from from an early stage um, mm. and we had great systems. We do a lot of content. So, so the overall um, UX on the website was always ahead of a lot of our competitors. Other people have caught up in that regard now. Uh, I'd say our biggest point of difference um, is our product range um, and what we've managed to do over the 10 years of our business and all the years before is, is build this incredible network of, of winemakers and suppliers that's really um, the envy of everyone in the industry because we get access to all of these uh, amazing rare wines that no one else does. And and when people ask us how we've got to where we've got, I, I say we've been, we've been customer focused by being supplier focused. So we've mm-hmm. invested as heavily in our supplier relationships um, and, and building incredibly close friendships and trust with these farmers essentially who then come to us as the exclusive people to represent their brands. And these are the brands that, that people want. They're the wines that get written up in magazines that are in the best restaurants. And you can generally only find them in our store and you can find all of them in the one place. And mm-hmm. by doing that, we attract customers. Then that creates word of mouth through the great delivery experience and, and everything else. So that, that's been the main thing. Of course we do other, you know, we do social media, we, we do Google um, advertising Um, but I think the thing that sets us apart has been has been the product itself. Yeah, yeah. So we can say that uh, being uh, supplier focused enables you to be 
customer focused, right? Because yeah. uh, you have access to those rare wines and special wines and, and just having a wide range of products. Um, I can also see that you have a subscription on, on the website. Uh, have this ever happened that uh, some, uh, let's say, one of your suppliers, they are jealous of, of another uh, supplier because maybe they are in the same subscription package or anything like that? If they are, they haven't told us. Um, I don't think so. It's it's a great industry we're a part of and, and all of the winemakers know each other and, and are friends mm. as well. And they, they actually love being next to these other great producers because mm. it's a great look for their brand to be associated with all of these other great brands as well. So being a part of our subscription packs, um, we've also just got a lot of mixed packs that people can buy whenever mm. they like. Um, I think it's 70 or 80 of them on the website at any one time. Uh, and they're themed packs. You know, they might be a, a, a rosé pack or, a, you know, explore Italy pack. Um, lots of fun, different mixed packs like mm. that that are changing all the time. Uh, and the winemakers really love being a part of those packs. Th those packs have also become something we're quite known for. It's a great way for people who maybe don't know exactly what they want and maybe get a bit overwhelmed by the amount of products on our site that the packs can funnel them into trying to, it makes it easier for them to, to make a decision. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> so just for the listeners to understand this industry better, I know that the U.S. market is heavily regulated. States are different. How about Australia? No, it's it's all, all the same across the country. So we're based in Sydney, um, in New South Wales, which is the biggest wine market. Sydney and Melbourne uh, are the two big markets, particularly for the more premium um, artisanal wines that we sell. Um, we, we run our own deliveries in Sydney. So we've got a, our own fleet of vans running around Sydney, which we didn't anticipate doing, but that was a COVID thing we um the traditional shipping um, um carriers were really struggling so we, we ended up just doing it ourselves and we've kept doing that um and then we offer next day delivery um all up and down the eastern seaboard of australia um through yeah. some great um, couriers we've, we've partnered specifically with and that's another big point of difference for us because australia is a, a huge place um yeah. you know it's a, it's a 10-hour drive from sydney to melbourne um, but we, we were able to deliver next day into Melbourne, next day into Brisbane, which is the same distance north. That's great. Uh, and then the rest of the, the rest of the country we cover through um, Australia Post, which is our national carrier. Yeah, actually, I don't know much about uh, delivery in Australia. I know Europe and uh, US. Uh, US is probably the best that I know, like even same day delivery can happen. But how about Australia in general? Um, We're catching up. We're a bit behind in e-commerce in general, behind the US that is and, and, and um, you know, the UK. But we're getting there. Um, the challenges with Australia is it is such a huge place. Yeah. Um, and, and the distances are big. Petrol is expensive. Um, wages are expensive. So uh, it, is, it is expensive to deliver. Um, but as I said, we, we've... We've managed to come up with some great ways around that by by doing it ourselves in Sydney, and we're at a big enough scale now where we can make that profitable. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, yeah, we're shipping, um, you know, a, a couple pallets a night overnight into Melbourne and then into Brisbane, where it then lands in the morning and gets distributed out. Um, and we've got some great uh, tracking and um, user experience there. So mm -hmm. um, we we would be, I think, the leaders in terms of the delivery, which is my business partner, Brett's side of things mm -hmm. i'd love to take credit but, but that's all of his um, operational stuff yeah amazing so let's talk about the marketing marketing side of things 
Um, I guess you cannot really advertise on Facebook, for example, right? Uh, no, you can. Yeah, we can. We we haven't done a lot of Facebook because it's just been. Um, I just found it difficult to to do well, to be honest, and to um, to to do economically, uh, and it's been harder and harder to to get accurate um, data on on what's happening on Facebook. Um, we, we we spend a lot on Google advertising on on Google Shopping for the particular products. So that's mm-hmm. how a lot of people find us. They try a wine at a restaurant or or you know somewhere in a in a wine bar. Uh, and then they Google it and find us. So that, that's often how we get our customers. Um, and then we, we uh, on Instagram, we've got a pretty decent Instagram following, but we don't do a lot of paid advertising. It's it's never been something we've wanted to spend a lot of money on. We concentrate on the more organic uh, methods. Okay. And uh, that's interesting. And uh, yeah, organic is usually a uh, better quality of uh, traffic. And also their engagement is higher, their return rate is higher. <laughs> yeah, what, exactly. methods, what methods do you use to get organic traffic? So content. So um, you know, we we've we invest a lot in our SEO. We, we we have an enormous amount of content on our website. So for every single wine that we publish, um, we write a full detailed story of the wine, full detailed story of the winemaker. We have all of the third party reviews from the critics, we have all the technical information, we have videos, we've got all sorts of stuff, food matches. And all of mm-hmm. that helps us rank really, really well organically on Google. So when you search for these wines, we often even come up ahead of the winery themselves. Um, and, and so we've got a team of writers and, and um, people that work remotely that, that publish a lot of that content. So that's a yeah. big part of it. Um, Instagram has been our main our main um, social media channel for reaching people. Um, so we've got a pretty good engaged list there. It's starting to plateau a little bit, the, re- the return on Instagram, I think. So... Uh, it's time for us to start um, experimenting with TikTok and, and doing some more YouTube and, and things like this. Um, uh, events are another thing we've done a fair bit of over the years, like wine mm-hmm. events and tastings, um, which aren't as scalable and digital, but you get a really, really good quality customer out of that. Mm-hmm. And they tend to be very sticky because they've had that interaction. Um, it, it's yeah. our version of the winery cellar door, I guess. Um, and and partnerships. So um, partnerships with the wineries, um, partnerships with a lot of the leading um, wine magazines and wine websites in Australia that that recommend us as the go-to retailer. Um, we have some affiliate arrangements with them as well. Mm-hmm. So you have multiple sources uh, and each has different strengths. And uh, you mentioned YouTube and uh, I, I have to mention Gary Vaynerchuk here because I know... Yes that he started out on YouTube back in... 20- I know you're a fan as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 2006. And uh, Vine Library, I think that was the name. Um, That's right. For a long time. So on my, you know, in my experience, YouTube is, is great because that's probably the only platform besides Google where um, where you check the, the analytics of the video how many people yeah. they view the video and it's not like, you know, it's not plateauing or going down, but actually it can speed up and like this uh, mm. growing, going up exponentially. And I think it's crazy. So uh, your yeah, video, the, data, can... the amount of data is great. Yeah. No, I, I love doing videos. We do a lot of it. We, we haven't, I need to invest a bit more time in it now. We were talking about this today about doing more video, but Gary V I'm glad you mentioned him because I, I was a fan just from a wine perspective before mm-hmm. all of his business ventures. 
Um, loved his wine videos. I learned a lot, got a lot of inspiration from what he did. Um, and uh, yeah, he's definitely one of my um, business heroes um, with everything he's achieved and, and his attitude in general. So you followed him before uh, his agency and, and all of that? Yeah, back in the back in the sort of 2008, 9, 10 sort of era um, where I was um, working in wine, but before we started a different drop and, and loved what yeah. he was doing and, and thought there's an opportunity to do something similar in Australia. Just our, our attitude to wine is to keep it really fun and, and approachable. Like we, we, we care about all the detail because that's what makes wine amazing. But at the end of the day, it's just a drink. It, it's not, it shouldn't be too serious. And, and yeah. uh our, our attitude towards it is, is probably much like his, you know, it's just about having fun, trying to make it more approachable for people and, mm. and um, taking away all of the pretension out of it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Budai Nation. Welcome to the Ecom Show. I ask you to subscribe to this podcast. And if you like it, make sure you share it with at least one friend. As you probably know, we don't run ads. Our growth is purely organic. So it would mean the world to me if you could support us. I hope we can serve our audience in the best way. And now let's jump into the episode. So let's talk about email marketing a bit. What's your approach to emails? Maybe do you use text marketing or any other channels? Um, And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, email marketing has been huge for us um, since we started. So we use Klaviyo these days um, uh, to do to do all of our EDMs. Uh, we send uh, at least one email a day, often two or three, but we're segmenting them. Um, uh, we get a great return from our emails. We, even now, we still have you know forty percent open rates and three uh, to five percent click throughs. Um, you know, sending that many emails. Um, So we, EDM is, is crucial for us. It's, it's, it drives probably a third of our business um, uh, mm. through, through email. Yeah, that's amazing. And I can see this in the beverages in the industries, not just in wine, but uh, spirits or coffee, tea. Uh, they usually have a high returning customer rate. Once I talked to yeah. the CMO of Deathwish Coffee in Boston and uh, i think that returning customer rate is 80%, 80. So yeah, wow. people just come back and drink more. Uh, that, that's 100% right. And, and that's why when you asked about marketing, like our, our focus hasn't been so much on customer acquisition as it has been retention mm-hmm. and, and, and driving word of mouth through retention. So yeah. our, our attitude has been... Okay, if we don't, because we, we, we never had funding, so we're, we're, we're bootstrapped. So our attitude has been, well, if we can't go out and spend $50 to $100 per customer to acquire them, let's make sure when we get a customer, we really give, yeah. blow them away, give them a great experience so that we keep them and that they go then and tell their friends. Because in wine, it's exactly as you say, like people don't just buy wine once. They, they buy wine, you know, every couple of weeks mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Um, you know, our average order value is about $250, but um, our customer lifetime value is, is you know, more around $1,500 um, on average. So um, we're, we're getting a great retention and return rate, and that, that's always been our focus. We'd love to go acquire more customers as well, but we don't want to have a leaky funnel where, where they're coming out the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've never asked this question, but now I will. So... You know, in these industries where the returning customer rate is usually high, TV is high, does it also mean that acquiring a new one is much harder because they shop from somewhere else before you and they have a high TV there for that business? Yeah, but you have yeah. to 
Australian don't. Great question. Um, I haven't. I, I wouldn't be able to compare it to other industries, but it's a really interesting thought because anecdotally, when when we started the business, I thought it would be much easier for us to uh, to get customers, even just from within our networks. But people had their favourite wine shop, you know, their, their mm-hmm. local wine guy around the corner that they would they knew personally that they would go and buy and talk to, and even though maybe they knew me or I was a relative or something, they they were still hesitant to to trust us because they had their local guy. Um, yeah. So I think that's what you're saying. I think it's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, our, our acquisition costs were really low during COVID. Obviously we, a lot of people went online. Um, all the restaurants were closed as well. And, and the kind of wines we sell are only available really in restaurants. So, so we got a lot of easy um, customer acquisition through that. Now mm-hmm. we're seeing those numbers go back up again, because I think people are, are wanting to go out, wanting to travel, wanting to get a restaurants. Um, and, and so we're just dealing with that. Yeah, actually, it's good that you mentioned this local uh, thing because, for example, I also have a favorite local store on my corner, at my corner. Yeah. And uh, I just go there and I never shopped, uh, I never bought wine online, by the way. And it, it would yeah. be hard to convince me, uh, for sure. Because I just go there, yeah, I talk to the guy. It's also kind of experience to talk about it. So sometimes tasting it when you can. So yeah, it's it's not easy for sure. Um, so I yeah. So my next question, I'm curious, what was the toughest moment for you in the last ten years? The biggest challenge? Oh, I mean, um, we've had different moments where you know we've not been able to pay ourselves the first couple of years were very scrappy and hard um, like I said you know moving back in with family um, not paying ourselves mm-hmm. having to make sacrifices um, but that was okay because we were you know young and mm-hmm. um, excited and, and up for the challenge um, about four or five years in um, we had a tough period where Uh, we had a, a, a bad Christmas period and our technology was failing. We were doing our technology ourselves on Magento at that time and it kind of collapsed uh, and we just we just uh, mismanaged our costs, had too much stock, uh, et cetera. Uh, and that was a bit of a scary moment because we, we weren't sure if we were going to be able to keep the business going. Um, and, you know, I, I had a, a young baby and, and it was, it was, that was a really hard, stressful time. Mm-hmm. Um, for 12 months or so there. Um, but we came out of that um, and then COVID obviously kicked off. So, uh, and I'd say even the last six months have, have been harder as well, just coming off the back of COVID um, and seeing some of that growth slow down, which is fine because it's 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 back to almost where it should be, but it's hard to adjust and, and to invest and, and to hire uh, and to know how to, how to um, forecast for that. Um, so it's been a few periods, but I think probably that middle period where, um, yeah, where you're juggling the personal, your personal lives and, and making sacrifices there with trying to keep this business growing um, was hard. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned COVID. My assumption that your it, it was good for your sales, right? That's how I imagine people. Yes. They, yeah, they definitely. Definitely. They drink and... So it, it was good, right? COVID. Yeah, COVID was great. COVID was great for us. Um Uh, as I mentioned, a lot of the wineries we work with work almost entirely with restaurants, um, mm-hmm. not so much with retail. And then they and then they work with us and maybe one or two small shops. 
um, when COVID came and they they shut all the restaurants, you know, everyone was locked down. All of a sudden, people, the only way to buy these wines was to go online through us. Um, and, and people were staying at home. They were still wanting to drink during COVID yeah. for obvious reasons, um, but they they couldn't go out. So, so yeah, we, we, we had huge growth through COVID. Um, mm. I think we kind of tripled in size over that mm. um, 12, 18 month period, um, yeah. which was, which was great. But we were set up to handle it. We've always built our business with scale in mind. I think that's something that's different about us to some of the other wine businesses. We've, we've invested a lot in technology and systems and logistics so that we can grow into it. And other people struggled with COVID, even though there was extra demand they couldn't keep up with it, but it, for us, we were set up for it, so it was quite easy. Yeah, so you prepared for it, but before before COVID, you already had this mindset that we, if there is an opportunity, we can grow because we have the stock, or you just realize. Yeah, I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of great wine businesses that have passionate wine people, but maybe not the um, technological or operational mm -hmm. thinking. Um, whereas with um, myself, but also mostly my business partner, Brett, who doesn't really care so much about the wine. He, he loves building the business and the, the operations, logistics, the tech, um, the software stack. And, and he's so, so that's what set us apart because we've got the wine passion, but we've also got that um, e-commerce kind of yeah, thinking, yeah. Um, yeah. which has allowed the business to, to grow really well. Yeah. I think that's important. Uh, And uh, usually those businesses and business people, they are better in execution, which is very important in business, uh, in strategy as well. So those are Absolutely. crucial benefits. Um, I agree. Yeah. Um, my, yeah. So my next question, and uh, I, I, yeah, I'm really interested to hear about this more. How do you convince your suppliers? How do you get their buy-in? Do you really sell the vision to them or, or, or how? Because I guess they have many options to partner up. With yeah, them. it was very hard at the beginning because they were scared of um, us discounting their products mm -hmm. uh, and, and how that would appear to their own members. Um, I, I've just played the long game with these winemakers. Uh, th these are literally my friends. You know, I've built relationships over... Um, decades, you know, 20 years with these producers. Um, uh, it, even well before we would sell their products, I would be getting to know them. I'd be visiting the wineries. Um, they'd visit us here. You go to dinner, you know, mm -hmm. you text back and forth. Yeah, I'm just building relationships um, so that, yeah. and then when the time came where they were maybe looking to go, to go online, um, we already had that trust. Uh, and then once we got started, and got some really good producers on board. There was an early stage where we got a really fantastic winemaker uh, on board called um, Steve Panel, who's an iconic um, Australian producer. Uh, and that was a real coup because once we got him, other people went, well, hang on, if they've got him and he trusts them, then then I'll give, I'll give different drop a, a go as well. Mm -hmm. um, and and then, then we've got another good one, then another good one, and then it starts to roll on. And then all of a sudden, the winemakers coming to us, not the other way around, because Becomes they easier, see right? this is a great place for their for their wines to be placed. And, and it's just it's just taking the long term thinking. Um, we could we could sell more wine today by by discounting, but you know for what? You, you, you don't make the margin. You don't get the winery back. We've always invested in in the brands and the people we work with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and after a while, just as you said, it becomes easier because uh, it's also a kind of network effect. So exactly you are not really exactly up, right. so they know each other, and after 
life becomes much easier. hundred percent. My last question to you. So what would be your number one advice to other e-commerce business folks, especially, let's say, you know, wine retailers in Europe or US, Canada, other regions? Sure. Um, a couple of bits of advice. Firstly, it's, it's much harder than you think it's going to be <laughs> when you're starting <laughs> off. Um, and I, I think in, a, in, a, in an industry like wine, which is built on long-term customer value, it's built on relationships, um, you've got to play a, a long game. Um, you've got to invest in, in your suppliers, invest in your product, invest in your systems uh, and be patient. Uh, and if you do that, it, it can really build brick after brick after brick um, over, over time because people, wine buyers are different sort of shoppers. They're not as fickle. They're very loyal. Uh, and if you, if you can provide them with a great product and a great service and a great experience, um, you, you really keep them forever. And they're very likely to go tell their friends because mm-hmm. wine lovers love talking about wine. Yeah, yeah. Do you think it's possible to run a successful business in this industry without loving uh, wine? Just let's say I'm a cold headed business person and I just want to make a fat profit. Uh, and I'm fine to reinvest money for five years, but after I want to see the profits. Do you think it's possible? Think could, or- uh, there's different parts of the wine industry. Um, there's cheap, cheaper wines, which is much more of a commodity. Um, mm-hmm. There, I think the passion is less important, but very, mm-hmm. very hard to, to make profits, as you say. It's, mm-hmm. it's easy to sell wine, but um, wine is a, is a difficult industry to, to make money. The margins uh, are, are slim um, and uh, the costs of, of doing business are expensive. But um, in, in our space with, with real wine, fine wine, artisan wine, no, I don't think it's possible. I think if you don't love the product or you don't have people that love the product, I think you'll get found out quite quickly. Mm. Uh, it's yeah. that kind of industry. It, it's, um, it's, it's a fantastic industry to be a part of, but um, you've got to really know what you're doing. Mm. In the cheaper wine segment, uh, who are the number one, number two in Australia? Like th- Those are some um big chains like tesco in europe or carrefour or Walmart that's right yeah so we've got we've exactly right we've got our big chains here so dan murphy's is part of woolworths woolworths is one of our big is the biggest supermarket Mm -hmm. in australia so dan murphy's is their liquor big liquor outlet um that's Mm -hmm. the leader uh in the cheaper wines um and and they're you know a, a big great business but they do a lot of their own their own wines and um it's it's more the bigger commercial wineries um, there are some other online guys that have had success. Um, Vino Mofo is one, um, Gray's online. Um, but again, they're about deals, discounts, cancelled export orders, you know, wine off the back of a truck kind of thing. Um, in our space, in the premium space, um, there's some great little businesses, but there's no other, um, we'd be the leaders in that space. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I I was uh, in the university and uh, for six years and uh, I guess it's the same in Australia when you are there or in, even in high school, uh, sometimes you can drink in high school, uh, you, you go for the cheapest products. So that's how you think. Yeah, of course. That's how once, I got started. Wine in a box. Yeah, but once uh, I became a business owner, my life situation changed, my consumption habits also changed. So. Yeah, um, I think it's normal. 
Um, thanks, Tom, for sharing your story today. And thanks, everyone who listened to us today or will listen to the podcast. And uh, if you want to buy great quality wines in Australia, go to differentdrop.com and uh, check out their subscription. And uh, they have hundreds of different products. How many products do you have? Do you know? Yeah, we've got about 3,000 wines on the site mm. at the moment, um, but they're constantly turning over. So last year, I think we sold 10,000 different different wines. Yeah, amazing. That's a huge variety of wines. So thanks again, Tom. And uh, stay tuned. Every week we come out with a new episode. And also in the description, I will put a 50-point checklist for everyone. This is a free audit document you can use to audit your own email marketing. This is what we use with some of our clients as well. And uh, thanks again. Stay tuned. Thanks, Daniel.